Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Good, good to see you this morning. I want you to go ahead and get your Bibles open to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 22, uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Hold your place there. We're going to be looking at several little passages in the book of Genesis today, and I'm excited about sharing God's Word with you. And then next Sunday, again, is a partner's banquet. It's going to be so much fun. So uh, look forward to, to that as well. And, and if any of you, you're having, maybe a, maybe it's financially tough for you to come, I still want you to come, so just let me know or let Jake know. We're going to find a way. We'll get a sponsorship for you. We want everybody to be a part of this, whether you're a partner or not. So uh, that's that's Sunday evening. And, uh, and, and again, someone asked me last Sunday, I said, I can't figure out how to get the tickets. And so there's a little spot on the, uh, there's a whole little box on your City Life app. You can just go right down to that and it says something about Partners Banquet and you just go through and click on it and you'll be able to get your uh, Partners Banquet tickets that way. Well, uh, this is a series that I have been, that I entitled Ready for the Unknown because it's, a, it's about faith and all of us struggle with faith to one degree or another. I mean, we do. It's, it's, it's just something that we do. And, and really, in, in a Christian life, we keep growing in our faith regularly. So today, uh, my message is the fourth part of this series and it's entitled God's Provision. That's the title of today's message, God's Provision. Um, many of you know the story of our church, but uh, there are little bits and pieces you may not know. And, and if you've not been around here very long, you may not have known this little part of it. But in, in 2011, I was, as part of the establishing of this church, kind of, basically kind of what happened is, is I was offered this building. To, to start a church in. And, and it, it was, that was kind of basically how it worked. This, it's a building with bills. And, uh, and you can do this church here. Well, that's, that's actually backwards because I know how church plants work. When you start a church, you don't get a big building and have a bunch of bills and say, okay, now we're going to find some people to come because it just doesn't work that way. And, and I knew it didn't work that way. And so uh, in, in, in praying with Rebecca, I said, do we have faith for this? She says, I do if you do. <laughs> okay, I do. And, and we, we we dove in, but, but really, it, what was happening here with this is I walked into the unknown. Now, I'm glad we had faith because we were more prepared and we were ready for the unknown, but I'll tell you, we walked into the unknown. You just don't start with a building with a bunch of bills and then decide to build a congregation. Uh, this uh, this the, the story of this is that this building had once housed a, an, an, a, uh, a group of people. It was a very small group that had tried to establish a church and to start a church. And, and, and that, that failed after several months. The, the church plant had failed. And so the building was just sitting here. And, and basically, I was given the fun task of, of picking up the pieces and to start a church. 
but, but please understand, there was no money. I didn't inherit some lofty bank account or anything. There were no big donors. There were no donors. There were no big donors. There were no donors. And, you know, well, my wife and I and Jack, you were here and gave us a little offering every once in a while. And some homeless people would come in and give us an offering, but that was about it. And, and I, we were four weeks into this, four weeks in, and, and I, I'm looking at the books and looking at, at the, the, the giving, and it's like, there is no way we're going to be able to sustain this. This, this is not sustainable. You know, that, that's when you watch your books. And, and uh, I felt disoriented. I really did. So I came into this room and I, I, I left the lights off and I just wanted to come in here and I just prayed one Saturday and just spent a good chunk of the day just praying in here saying, God, what in the world have you called us to do? What are we doing? And, and so I, I, I was in here and I thought, I've got I've to turn the lights on. So right in the middle of my prayer time, I turned the lights on and I, I got out a pad of paper and, some, and a pen and I just started writing down all the things in this room and in this building and in the, this entire building that we can sell. Like, we're just going to start selling stuff. We're going to sell equipment. We're going to I thought, man, we can sell a bunch of chairs. We can sell this and sell this and sell this. So I, I thought, we've got to finance this somewhere. So we just need to sell everything. And I thought, you know, even if we don't have a, 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 an audio system, I can just talk real loud. And I, I'm telling you, all of this was going on in my mind. How are we going to make this? And I, I took the list and I laid it down before God and said, God, if there's no, if a miracle doesn't come through, uh, we're going to have to start selling stuff. And, and you know, this is, this is your baby anyway, God, I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear to, to, to join in faith with you for this, but wow, I don't know how this is going to happen. And, uh, and, and the, part of the challenge is this building, just to pay the mortgage at that time, so this was, this was a little over 10 years ago, but at that time, the, this building, the mortgage, the insurance, the, uh, the utilities, and everything combined came up to about taxes. We also had to pay taxes back then. Uh, it came up to about $4,800 a month. And that is just to keep the building open. That's nothing else. Nothing else is just building expenses. And, uh, and I looked at it, well, we're, we're a long way from that, a long way from that. And I called, uh, I called my pastor friend who was, who was the one who, uh, who had, who had said, Tim, I believe in you. This, this, you know, this, can, this can happen. I believe in your God. I believe in our God. This can happen. I called him up and said, I don't know if this can happen or not. I'm not quitting, but I just need a miracle. So, so it was that next week. I'll never forget. It was on a Tuesday, Tuesday morning. I said, can we meet? Can we meet for, for, for breakfast? And so I sat down with, with this gentleman. His name is Rick DeBose and sat down with him and said, we're, we're going to have to talk through this. And, and we just started talking through it. And, and he gave me some ideas and some strategies. I got on the phone, started making some calls. And, and I said, I said, you know what? A, a big part of it is our mortgage, our, our building payments. That is the biggest chunk of this thing. And, you know, the nice thing is, is this building, we chose to not finance it through a bank. So we're not financed through Bank of America or whatever, someone who's going to come back in and repossess it. It was financed through this ministry organization called the Assemblies of God, North Texas District. And so we're financed through them. It's very different. But, but I, I said, but he said, you know, we, we, don't, we don't do this, but I just feel prompted by God just to say this. And I haven't even talked to our financial guy yet, but he says, I'd like to offer you 18 months 
of no building payments. And, you know, he said, he said interest will continue to accrue. I'm like, eh, yeah, whatever. But, but, he's, but he said, no payments for 18 months. Would that help? I'm like, yeah, you know, it might help a little bit. And so, so it was great. But, but I started, we started cutting everything. We had, for some reason, the building had direct TV in it. It's like, what, why do we have direct TV? We don't need TV. We, we do church here. So we cut the direct TV. We cut the phone line, you know, all, all the extra frills that we had uh, for communion. Communion was a little difficult. It didn't taste as good. I hope communion tastes a little better today than it did back then because I would literally go across the street and I would get my wallet out and see how much money was in it and I would buy saltines and because we couldn't even, it was so tight, couldn't even buy the grape juice next door, we would buy, we would buy like this cool, like these, these grape juice packets and, and we would bring that and create our own little grape juice and I'll tell you, it, was, it tasted terrible. People were doing communion, they were going, <laughs> but, but it's like, well, you know, it's just, it's okay, it's okay. It's not about the flavor, it's about God. I'm glad we made it past that time. But, uh, but God continued to provide. He did. It was about a year in about one year in, and uh, and our little group had grown to about 20 people, and we had our first Sunday where we actually had over $1,000 in offerings come in. Still, that wouldn't be enough to even color the basic bills, you know, coming in on a weekly basis, but man, that was such a big day. We sell, the offering counters at the end of church came running in going, we went over $1,000 for the first time. They were excited, and they were yelling and screaming and shouting, and we were so happy. I was like, okay, God, that is two or three times that, and then we can Maybe just pay the bills once this once the mortgage kicks back in and and but but I'll tell you what we made it for the first four years it was it was touch and go but we became financially independent after four years and we made it and God provided see faith is being ready for the unknown you don't know what's coming but you're going to be ready for it but you don't know what to do that's Christianity God bless you you're dismissed. No, I'm just kidding. You, you, you don't look like it. But that's, that's, that's the way that it is. And we're going to talk about that again today. Now, in this series, we've learned about how Abraham stepped out in faith. And he stepped out by faith, not knowing where he was going at all. And he took this huge, huge step of faith to, to, to move into the unknown. And because he took that first step of faith, then what, what it allowed for him to do is to be faithful in other areas of his life as other things popped up. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I ask you to open your Bibles up to Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. We're going to look at more of the story of Abraham. And so this is Abraham and his son Isaac in this part of the story. Look at Genesis 22, verse 1. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. It was a test. It was a test. And it was kind of like, I, I, I likened this, when I was reading this passage, I likened it to that time when I came in and I was praying, I was thinking, God was like, I'm going to just make a, turn the lights on, I'm going to quit praying, I'm just going to make me a list of things to sell. And it was, it was a test. And, and, and you know, God took care of it, but look at this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said, Abraham, well, here I am. He replied, then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Okay, let's just read through this. We're going to get through this okay. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. 
Now, I'll just tell you a little bit in advance here. First of all, it was a it was a part of the pagan culture at that time where people would sacrifice their children. And, and Abraham came from a pagan culture. He didn't have the scriptures. He didn't have anything to, to base this upon. He was just listening to God. He's like, okay, God, uh, whatever. I mean, he, whatever. But the interesting thing is, and I just want to touch on this real quick, the place where he took him was eventually known as a mountain just outside of Jerusalem known as Golgotha. And this is actually the place where Jesus was sacrificed for our sins. And so what we see here is a little glimpse into the future. God's doing this uh, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came and offered his life on that same, on that same mountain. Okay, look, look down at verse 9. Genesis 22, skip down to verse 9. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there. <clears throat> and arranged wood on top of it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up there in the thicket and saw a ram caught by its horns, which would have been for a sacrifice, you see. And he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, as to when the scriptures were written, and to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Now, is this a strange passage of scripture? Yes, it's okay to admit it. This is a strange passage of scripture. Are there other strange passages of scripture in the Bible? Yes. Yes, there are. We can talk about those later, but we're going to talk about this one right now. You see, as a child, I would pray to God, God, don't ever tell my dad to do that to me. I, I, I really would not like that happening because I have this very clear recollection of my Sunday school teacher when I was a little child used this thing called a flannel graph. Now, I, most of you have no clue what a flannel graph was, but it was this, this, this flannel and these sticky pictures and they would put it up there and, and here's a picture of Abraham getting ready to kill his son. I'm looking at it in horror as a six-year-old kid going, no, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And thank God he didn't. And then they explained it. And I thought, well, that's when, that's when my concern started. I was like, hey, God, God, let's make a deal. You don't tell my dad to do this and I'll like be a pastor or something. I, I, actually, I didn't make that deal, but it makes the story better. But, but that was a test. God was testing Abraham's willingness and his desire to obey his voice. I mean, can you imagine being Abraham? You're going to Mount Moriah to sacrifice the son that God had given to you, which would be your heir, which would be the one that was promised to you. And I am surely confident that this made no sense to Abraham whatsoever. He had to be totally 
disoriented as he was going through the steps here. And I'm, I'm sure he's thinking, God, certainly this is not the way it's all supposed to wrap up. This isn't how it's supposed to end. I mean, why would God demand so much from me? I, I, I can imagine those questions going through his mind. And, and, and this wasn't just like a little journey uh, for a half a day over to a little field somewhere. No, no, no. This was a, a journey that would have taken days. And so they'd have gone for days and camped and, and, and kept moving along until God showed him, okay, this is the spot. This, was, uh, this would have been gnawing at him the entire time. I've always been intrigued with it, you know, what was Isaac's age at the time, and that is unknown, uh, because it, it, you, you basically, you can say it was somewhere between the age 5 and 35. I, I, though, assume, and I believe, based upon the conversation that they had, uh, that, that Abraham was, excuse me, that Isaac was younger, that he was, he was probably a child, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, but we, we really don't know, but regardless, Abraham must have felt completely and totally disoriented. Now, let me explain this to you. New chapters in your life often begin with an orientation, right? They, they begin with an orientation. Like you get an orientation when uh, you, you, you start a new class or you go to a new school. You get a new job, you're going to get something called orientation. And we even do that here at City Life. We call it City Life 101, and, and it's an orientation about City Life Church. We, we come together for about an hour and a half or so, and, and we talk through all the things about our church. You know, orientations are important to our culture. It's important to us as human beings. It helps us to get oriented. You know, that, that's what they're there for. See, get this though. God works completely different. He does. God begins new chapters of our lives with disorientation. Now, I've seen this in my life over and over and over again. I mean, it's all through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It, it's all there. Jesus didn't do orientations. He did disorientations. I mean, you, you look, at, look at his disciples. It seems like they were in this constant state of disorientation, like, okay, what's going on now? What's happening here? We, we don't get this. We don't understand this. And, and, and I know some say, well, the disciples were so spiritually immature that that's how they handled it. But if I was there, I would have been so spiritually mature, I would have understood it all. No, you wouldn't have. Because the, the, uh, Jesus chose these disciples based upon their faith already. And uh, I mean, they were in this constant state of disorientation. And I believe though, that that is the method that God uses to make disciples. See, God needs to disorient us so he can reorient us. I'll, I'll say it again. <laughs> This, this, is a, this is the one where you just need to tweet this, okay? Because we use Twitter again now. Okay, so, so God needs to disorient. God, God needs to disorient us. In fact, I, I, I see a typo that I made here on the screen. It says God needs to disorient us. So take out the ED on that. That is my fault. Sometimes I don't catch these things. But God needs to disorient us so he can reorient us. And some of you right now, you feel like you are totally disoriented in your walk with God. Nothing makes any sense. But I want to encourage you, it's common. There's a purpose behind it. And it's about building your faith and your trust in God. Going to Mount Moriah with you know, Abraham to sacrifice his son, that made no sense to Abraham. And I'm convinced he was disoriented. But at the same time, he had faith and he trusted God in the process. See, Abraham was ready for the 
unknown, even though he was disoriented. And why? It's because he trusted God above his own logic. He simply believed this. God will bring provision because he's done it before and I know he'll do it again. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, it shines a little more light on this. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises, I like that because now it says Abraham was a person who had already embraced the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. Again, God can work miracles. So in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So because Abraham had faith and he trusted God and he embraced the promises, it opened up the door for the miracle. And he, he simply believed the promises that God had given. God said that, you know, this, because through this son, I'm going to work miracles. So he thought, well, even if he dies, God can resurrect him. Now that right there is faith. He is ready for the unknown. Uh, but, but this is not just a story of a, t- of a testing. This is a story of God's miraculous provision. So as a result of that, Abraham called this place, the, the, this mountain, he called this place, the Lord will provide. And again, back to what I said near the beginning of the message, the Lord will provide. God provided his own son as a sacrifice for our sins on that same mountain. And now, the beauty of it though, is that blessing followed the passing of the test. See, he used this Hebrew term called Jireh, J-I-R-E-H, and that means God is our provider. God is my provider. He is your Jireh. God provides. God provides. He provides as we pass our tests. God, God, God provides as we like Abraham, embrace his promises. God provides as we trust God when we are disoriented. God provides as we stick with his plan. And believe this, regardless of any of the disorientation that you might feel right now, hold on to this. Provision is coming. And I want you to believe that God is reorienting you and God will supply all of your needs, it's on its way. And that, what does that provision look like? It's whatever that you need. Maybe it's the forgiveness of sin. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's love. Maybe it's compassion. Possibly material needs or comfort. But good things come from the throne of God. Your ram is in the thicket. That's beautiful from God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, My God will meet all your needs. It doesn't say God might meet some of your needs. Thank God that there's a will and there's an all. God will meet all your needs. Get this down. Get this. This memorizes. God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Say, well, that means based upon what's in God's bank account, essentially. Okay, let's just put it that way. So what does God's bank account look like? Well, it's not at Bank of America. It's, It's not at any of the local banks. God's riches, you can't even begin to comprehend 
comprehend it. So according to his riches, which is so vast that you can't even comprehend, God will supply all of your need. Bam, that is wonderful. But what, what happens though, is that you will be tested and you will be disoriented as you're going through the process, but you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus in the process and you simply have to pass the test. And you will if you are reoriented correctly. But I know how you think because you probably think a lot like I think. Uh, we, we all struggle with the same thing. We, we ask, well, why doesn't God just provide it all for me right now? Wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you just love it if, if God provides everything that you want right now? So many times we pray, but we don't see the miracle happening immediately. It's like, well, then God don't care. God, 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 God just didn't do it, so I'm, forget it. No, no, actually, God seldom does that. He does that, but it's seldom. Usually, there's a delay. Usually, there's a process and all of that. And, and here, here's what I believe. If God were to provide too much too soon, then it would short-circuit your spiritual development. In fact, I believe this. And here's a statement that I think you can go to the bank on. It says, God loves you so much. He loves you too much to provide too much too soon. God loves you too much to provide too much too soon. See, in our lives, we, we, we go through this continuum in life. We move through life from, in our normal lives, not our spiritual lives, but our normal lives, we, we go through this continuum where we are, uh, when we come into this world, we are totally dependent, and then we eventually become independent. Now, babies. Babies are totally dependent upon their parents. They are dependent upon their parents to feed them and to change them and to burp them and to put them to sleep and to bathe them and to clothe them. And the goal is this. The goal of parenting is that those children will one day move into total independence. One of the biggest ones is potty training. Have you ever potty train a kid? Boy, we've done that a few times. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because the word diaper spelled backwards is repaid. I mean, you just kind of let that one sink in right there, any of you who are parents. But a healthy relationship between a child and his parent is, is interesting because that child is, is destined to move with the parent's direction from total dependence to independence. But in our relationship with our heavenly father, we move from independence to dependence. You see, like I've shared already in this series, God's ways are not our ways. So spiritually speaking, we start off as independent because literally sin is actually literally living independent from God. When we're living a life of sin, we're basically living a life as if God doesn't exist. It's basically saying, God, thanks, but no thanks. I got this covered. But spiritual maturity is very different than than a physical maturity because spiritual maturity is moving along this continuum of being from being totally independent from God to becoming totally dependent upon God. It's saying, God, I'll take all I can get. I'll take all the help you can get. God, I want to move into more and more dependence upon you. And that is again where faith comes in. That is how you can be ready for the unknown because you understand that that our faith journey simply means that we're going to have more and more and more dependence upon God. And if God gives you too much too soon, it actually then short circuits your spiritual development. It causes us to take God for granted, and it turns the blessing into a curse. Of course, parents, you would never give your child a brand new car when they're born. 
I jump in and go. No, that's be, that is a curse, you see? But so, so really what I'm trying to say is this, and I want you to put this on the screens. It's your dependence upon God, not your best laid plans that will get you to where God wants you to go. But there's also a promise that's in here as well. Now, I want you to look back in Genesis. Look at Genesis chapter 21, verse 1, because here there is a story within the story. And uh, this is a story within the story of Abraham that I want to, it's a little bit back in time prior to all of this happening with, with the sacrifice of Isaac. And, uh, and you remember what I shared last week about Abraham and Sarah, how they had to wait a quarter of a century for God to fulfill the, the promise of the son. Abraham was 100, Sarah, his wife, was 90. It was a miracle that, that happened, but it would have been promised 25 years earlier. So look at Genesis 21, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Isn't that beautiful? Because God does that. He's gracious to you. He's going to give you what he promised. So Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac. That's important. Gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, uh, Abraham circumcised him as the Lord commanded him. And Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, look at this, God has brought me what? Laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. <laughs> will laugh with me. Just like y'all were laughing with me a little bit ago about trying to sell everything and just like, okay, what are we gonna do? We're just gonna sell everything and I'm just gonna yell during church and we won't have any sound system or whatever. I love that. You know, they were, they'd waited 25 years for God's provision and and got to know this. That would have seemed like an eternity to Abraham and Sarah. Can you imagine if God gave you a promise back in 1998 and then, wow, finally in 2023, it starts to happen. Wait, did I say that right? 1998? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I did the math right in my head. Sometimes I do math up here on the spot and it gets totally wrong. I'm off by thousands of years. So just to make sure I said the right thing. But see, it had to be totally spiritually confusing. Uh, it, it had to be emotionally exhausting for them. And as the years passed, I wonder if Abraham and Sarah had begun to lose some of their laughter. You know, it's not easy to laugh when there's deep sadness and that sadness won't go away. That's why Isaac's name is so appropriate. In fact, Isaac's name means laughter. That's the meaning of his name, laughter. When I was a child, I... I thought that Isaac's name was a punishment because God was punishing Abraham and Sarah for laughing uh, when all the promises were given, but, and they were still in this waiting stage. So God says, okay, then you do that. Then I'm going to punish you and I'm going to call your kid laughter. I, I had this image of God, especially as a child, that God was mad at everything all the time. I finally learned that that's not the way he is. But when I became a father, that opinion changed because a child's laugh, it is unparalleled. 
It really is. It's unparalleled. It's amazing. There's nothing like it. In fact, I love going back here to the, to the children's room sometimes, especially to where the little preschoolers are or even the nursery and seeing a child laugh. And, and there's this one little child in the nursery today and I just let her feel my, my chin right here. And she just started laughing and laughing and laughing. It just made me feel good. Everyone around, we just all laughed. It was such a beautiful moment. What is it about a child laughing that just brings out the best in you? And... I mean, there, there's really nothing like it. And, and truth is, God is no different. He's a father. He loves it when his children laugh. And I believe that this was God's way of giving Abraham and Sarah their laughter back. And it says in the scriptures, not just them, but, but all their friends as well. Because God is the God who allows laughter to be conceived. And I use that word conceived on purpose. See, Isaac's name uh, reveals this dimension of God's character that we tend to forget about sometimes. I mean, this last week I was with some, some congregation members here, and I'll just, I'll just say it was Thomas and Kristen Stocker, and, and they had their three-month-old miracle baby right there with them, little Forrest Stocker. And, and, uh, and after, after uh, Thomas had given Forrest his, his bottle, all of a sudden he got the hiccups, and he's doing hiccups. But, but it's something so funny happened. And because as he was doing these hiccups, every time he'd do a hiccup, he would start laughing. He would look at his mom just, ha, 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 He just kept doing this. And Thomas and Kristen started laughing, and I started laughing. And, and she says, I don't know why he does this. It's just so, but he laughs at his hiccups. And, and I, I, I loved that moment. And I was thinking, even as I was preparing the sermon, I mean, that actually kind of fits into my sermon. I didn't ask him permission to share this. But, but here, here's the point that I got out of this. We need to begin to laugh in the face of life's hiccups. What can we learn from a three-month-old? Yeah, when we face hiccups in life, far too often we panic and our minds sink into despair. And, and all the while, God is wanting laughter to be conceived in our hearts. You see, when Sarah laughed at God, God said this. This is a key line. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Come on, I'll say it again. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Church, say it with me. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is that ailment too hard for the Lord? Is that pain too hard for the Lord? Is that anxiety too hard for the Lord? Is that financial situation too hard for the Lord? Is that marital strife too hard for the Lord? Is that loneliness too hard for the Lord? Is that message you made too hard for the Lord? Is that anger problem you had too much for the Lord? Let's remember who our Lord really is. And there is nothing too hard for God. He created the universe from nothing. He turns lots of life into a pillar of salt, my goodness. He split the Red Sea. He brought bread out of the sky and he brought water out of the rock and he, he slew 185 Assyrian soldiers just to save his people. He brought, he brought food to the prophets by ravens and he made a jar of meal and a jug of oil last for years until a famine was over. He shut the mouths of lions to protect Daniel. He, he caused a virgin to, to have a child. He cleansed lepers. He healed the lame. He, he gave sight to the blind. He gave hearing to the deaf. He fed 5,000 people with five dinner rolls and some sardines. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And so can God handle your situations? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Part of me wonders if God waited 25 years 
until even the most remote thought of having a son was completely inconceivable. But then God broke through that eight foot ceiling and once again proved that nothing is too hard for God. Isaac is God's way of saying, I'm going to have the last laugh and it's not a mocking laugh. He's laughing with you. (laughs) I don't know where you are relationally. I don't know where you are um, occupationally or physically or financially. And maybe life doesn't make any sense to you right now. You can't figure it out. Maybe you're wondering where in the world is God in the middle of all this? Well, know this, God will provide. God will provide. I don't know what promise you're holding on to, and I don't know what dream you're holding on to, but I believe this, that he who began a good work in you, he will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What that means is until Jesus comes again, he's going to carry it to completion. He will find a way. That is a promise from the word of God. That's something to hold on to right there. And when everything has been said and done, I still believe that God will have the last laugh and you will laugh with him. And can you imagine in eternity at the marriage supper of the lamb and we're all there, I just have a feeling there's gonna be a whole lot of laughter. Remember the time when I was scared that God wouldn't come through? <laughs> Remember? Remember that time we were so sick and didn't know what, what was gonna happen and, and then right at the very end, God brought a miracle and we just laugh and laugh. I have a feeling it's gonna be like that. And that's the God we serve that's how to be ready for the unknown. I even spoke this over our congregation as we moved into this new era. I spoke this over our new uh, Hebrew New Year last, uh, last September, that this is going to be a season where we're going to begin to laugh and we're going to celebrate before we even see the victory and we're going to laugh afterwards too. It's, it's about having joy in the middle of it all. And I want you to have that. I want you to receive that. And I want you to remember that, that he who began a good work in you, he will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? If you're here this morning and you are not in right relationship with God, as Jesus Christ is not your Savior, I don't want to go any further until I offer you the opportunity to receive Christ. And if that's, if that's you, at the count of three, lift your hand for me because I want to lock my faith in with yours. I want to believe for the miracle of salvation. So at the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. I want you to believe God for that miracle now that miracle of salvation. Will you pray this prayer with me? Church, I want you to pray it as well. I want you to believe for the miracle of salvation. Pray it with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from my unrighteousness. Today I make the choice to give up my past and embrace the future that you have for me. I thank you, God, that you have always been with me and your conviction has brought me to a place where I'm ready to give my life to you and I give it all to you. And I know today you are beginning a good work in me and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I also want to pray for everybody else in this room. God, I pray... Even that, like a spirit of laughter just takes over our lives. 
where there's sorrow bring laughter where there's fear bring laughter God I pray that we will not be terrified by the unknown but we will embrace the unknown and lean into you and become more and more and more dependent upon you so that more and more miracles will happen and take place in our lives and through our lives and in our families and in our homes and in our businesses. And God, for those who today are are stuck, they're just stuck and feel like I can't move forward because of all of these entanglements and these frustrations and and this, and then I've not been healed and I've not, I've not seen the miracle come through yet. God, I pray that you'll just give us the peace to be able to just exhale and laugh and say, God's got this. God's got this. And put our faith right back in you as we continue moving into the unknown. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, will you stand with me? Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.